Sunday Sermons from Trinity UMC in Lincoln, a podcast to help on the faith journey. Now on to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Slater. So I have only a few memories of when I was in preschool. You know, that's something I've thought about as my own kids went through preschool uh, and coming here to Trinity, which of course we have our uh, wonderful child care in two locations. You know, like what are my memories? What was my preschool like? Uh, now that I know so much more about how it works and I don't remember much, you know, you're pretty young in preschool. I remember mine was called Castle in the Air. I remember where it was in Wichita, Kansas, where I grew up, and I've got two images that come to mind. That's it. One of them is of the computer, and what a thrill it was when I got to plug in the cartridge. Yeah, right? (laughs) The other one is I can remember the face of one of the teachers. And I don't remember anything about her, but clearly she must have been special. Clearly she must have been important to me. Uh, And that's one of the images in my mind when I think about our uh, teachers here at our own childcare, by the way, because uh, that's kind of what we specialize in, is having that kind of teacher. More than that, though, I remember my grandpa, who was kind of my own childcare when I was growing up, since both of my parents worked. You know, I think about elementary school, the various teachers that I had, but my mind goes especially to the principal that was clearly one of those special principals, or at least he was to me. You know, middle school now was a bit different for me. I was bullied quite a bit. That's part of my own journey, was being bullied uh, uh, rather seriously so when I was in middle school. But I do remember my band director and a uh, English teacher in eighth grade as being a special part of that. After middle school though, I got involved in a, uh, started hanging out and then eventually interning in a weather office and the meteorologists there accepted me for who I was. And looking back, that's exactly what I needed. After that period of bullying, I needed those, I needed those meteorologists who would take me under their wing and mentor me and uh, perhaps more than that, accept me. Okay, so that's enough about me. I could go on, I could go through high school, I haven't even talked about influences on my life from church. But what I wanna say is when you look at me, you don't just see me. You see all of them who made me. And I think each, well, I know that each one of us in this room could talk about our own past and the people who helped form us and shape us. And when I look at you, I also see them. When we look at one another, we see all of that together. And that is a foundational part of the faith and uh, part of what I want to talk about today. You know, we're doing a series right now called uh, Raise Them Up, Parenting in a Hectic World. Uh, and every, every parent that I've shown that subtitle to has laughed, one of those kind of nervous little laughs, you know, parenting in a hectic world. And we all feel it. You know, as I keep saying, I, I'm hoping that this does speak to the parents in our congregations or grandparents or whoever has children in your life. But But these are also human things. They speak to all of us. And really, it's just the starting point for the deeper truths. So don't think that it won't be speaking to you if if you are not a parent. The first week of the series, we talked about unconditional love and acceptance. You know, that's what I got from those meteorologists, right? Looking back, uh, not just just knowledge of how, um, oh, I need a a big word. Not just knowledge of how bare clinic zones work. (laughs) You're welcome, Merlin, a meteorologist in our congregation who joins us online. Um, uh, uh, The second week then we talked about anger, but we weren't really talking about anger. There's a place for healthy anger, 
what we were really talking about that week was forgiveness. And then last week we talked about generational issues, how both the good and, let's be honest, sometimes the difficult things get passed down uh, through the generations, but how God brings healing through it. And if you missed any of those and it speaks to you, they're all on our website and on the podcast feed and everywhere that the sermons are and services are, so you can go back to that. But today I want to talk about mental health and neurodivergence and how it takes a village. Now, when I planned this sermon, I knew that I wanted to do one on mental health. And I don't just mean diagnosable mental health. I just mean the fact that we all have strong days and weak days. Uh, just, like our, just like our bodies are, are, are in better shape some days than others, and other days we're just plain tired and have trouble getting off the, off the sofa, uh, the same is true with our minds. And I wanted to talk about that and its role both for kids and for parents. Now, I had grand ambitions, and I, don't, I wouldn't say that I expected to solve mental health in an 18-minute sermon, but maybe I did, <laughs> and that's not going to happen. So I had to lower my own expectations, and I hope you do too. So I started asking myself, what could I say that I'm qualified to say, because I'm not a psychologist, I'm a pastor and a parent, and, and what do I feel, what, what am I qualified to say? And Here's one bit, and that is that mental health issues make parenting difficult some days. They do on every side of it. It cuts straight to your heart because of how much you love your child or, or, or your spouse or whoever is in your life. I can also say that it's relentless. It is relentless some days, right? It's nonstop. And sometimes, uh, sometimes somebody else is having a difficult day and they're down, uh, uh, you know, one of your children. Some days you're the one having a difficult day and things are difficult. It's much harder to be a good parent when you're depressed or when you're anxious, for instance. I've shared before that uh, uh, learning about anxiety, realizing that it's been a bigger problem in my life than I knew uh, until I named the fact and was treated for it. You know, it's hard to be a good parent when you're, when you're struggling with your own anxiety. Uh, and, and like I said, it's not just the diagnosable stuff. We all have up days and down days. And I believe that God is very much present in every bit of it. God is very much with, not only loves us, but is there with us helping us on the good days and on the difficult days too. Every child and every parent. But there's one concept that I've come across in my own reading that is not only very helpful to me as a parent in this department, but it's also something that I think connects to one of the core principles of our faith. And I want to share it with you today. Uh, now, of course, I'm going to be using a lot of parenting language here, uh, but I say again, if you're not parents, don't worry, st keep listening because it's, this is going to apply to you too. At the end, I'm going to flip this and I promise you it will speak deeply to you too. So the idea I want to share is from an author who uh, writes about ADHD, attention and uh, attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder. And he coined a term that I love, executive parenting. Now, when I first saw it, I'll admit I didn't get it. I had to hear him explain it a couple times before I really got the idea. But here's the thing. When you need a little extra support, when a child especially needs a little extra support, you can't do it alone as a parent. 
You need other professionals that are part of that. Uh, I don't know if any of you have ever participated in an IEP meeting, an individual education plan meeting uh, at, at a school, but you, you, have, you have parents, you have special ed teachers, you have school psychologists, you have advisors, like it like becomes a team really quickly, right? And it's a little overwhelming. It's overwhelming to see. And what Russell Barkley recommends is that you think of yourself as a parent like the executive of a corporation. So first of all, it's your child and you're in charge, and it's empowering. When you're in that overwhelmed and, let's be honest, tired space, it's helpful to know, it's empowering to know that you're in charge. But an executive looks at their team, listens to the information that's coming, and a good executive is also like a scientist because they admit uncertainty and they're not afraid to be unsure about something. They make their, an executive makes their feeling known about various issues, what, uh, what, what in the operation seems lacking or lift up a bright spot to encourage it. They, they evaluate information critically, and by critically I don't mean negatively, I mean they think deeply about the information coming, ask if more is needed or if something isn't communicated clearly, and then at the end they give their consent on the direction to go, but not being afraid to call another meeting to change the direction if something isn't working out like it's supposed to. So he offers this as a, as a metaphor to help parents when you, when you have a team helping uh, with an, an issue where more support is needed. Now, I want you to know that my family has experienced this, and I'm not going to talk any more about that. I know there are families in our church going through, going, uh, the, 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 that are also in the midst of these kinds of things, and I want you to know that I would love to talk more one-on-one, -on -one, so hit me up for lunch sometime. I'd like to learn from you, to be honest. But this idea of executive parenting, I think, applies more broadly than just uh, neurodivergence and mental health. Executive parenting is a helpful modern term, but as the old proverb says, there's nothing new under the sun. The other way to say it is, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to raise a child. And that's true even if you don't need a whole team with a formal IEP meeting, right? It seems to me that part of being a good executive parent for any child is to take an active hand in shaping your child's organization, the people that are around them. You know, it's like me, after I was bullied badly in middle school, uh, it's the Holy Spirit who was the executive in this case, it wasn't a planned thing, but I needed those meteorologists in that weather office to take me under their wing. I needed them to accept me for who I was. I needed a different kind of village at that moment in my life than I had in the times before that. So, think about it. If you're a parent or a grandparent, what piece is missing from your child's village? And where might you find that piece? School offers a lot of it. Church offers even more of it, I believe. You know, it's like, I, like I, the, the way I usually describe it, and I try to do it every single week for a reason. You know, the goal is for our cups to be so full that it spills over to those around us. That's what I'm talking about. You know, are, are the right people pouring into your child? Are the right people, and where can you find it if not? It, it happens in so many ways. 
You know, one thing we have a long tradition of in confirmation, when, uh, when uh, teenagers uh, uh, claim their faith as their own and claim their baptism as their own, one tradition is to have a mentor where they uh, speak with, uh, they're paired up with someone in the church that they can have one-on-one conversations with. And uh, we're doing that this year, but we made it optional for the uh, confirmands, and instead we decided to invite uh, people from our uh, church to come to each one of the classes, and we're specific about about it. So we're asking, like, who would have something to add to the topic this week? And the, the idea behind it is that we want our confirmands to get to know some of you. We want our confirmands to get to know people who we know have a full cup that will overflow into them. We want them to have a little piece of that. In other words, to put it in the language of today, we're shaping the village that we want around them. We're being executive church leaders, however you want to say it, you know, to, to, to help shape that village. And it doesn't just happen in confirmation. It happens in Sunday school with our Sunday school teachers and, and, and in every way in church, even down to just getting snacks. You know, one of the previous churches I've served, and this one's been long enough that there's no way any of you would ever trace it back, so I'm going to tell the story. <laughs> I always have to be careful how I say this as a pastor uh, because I don't want it to come out wrong. Uh, but See, the wrong way to say it is I was marrying a young woman. No, that's not the way I said it. I was presiding at the wedding of a young woman and man uh, who were there uh, at the church, and uh, she told me a story that has stuck with me ever since. That church had huge Sunday school classes. I'm talking like 60 to 80 people Sunday school classes. Uh, And uh, one of them was right across the hall from where this young woman had gone to Sunday school. And when she was a little girl, every week she would, uh, she, she just started wandering into this class of 60 or, 60 or 80 people, right? And they kind of adopted her. So essentially she ended up with about 80 uh, surrogate grandparents every Sunday. Now, looking back, part of me wonders if maybe they had snacks in that room. Either way, she ended up with like 80 surrogate grandparents and they kind of adopted her. And when she went to college, guess what happened? They put together funds to give her a nice scholarship from that class. And when it came time for her wedding that I was fortunate enough to preside over, guess who was there? the entire class. And it was beautiful to watch those connections and and, and to see that happen and to see the fruit of the village that she had as she was being raised up. This idea is downright biblical. And the first place my mind goes with it is Paul, the Apostle Paul's metaphor of the body in Christ. Uh, I'm going to read it off my iPad because he goes on about it for the entire chapter. And there's more to be uh, picked out. And I encourage you to read all of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 for yourself. But here's at least part of it. Christ is just like the human body. A body is a unit and has many parts. And all the parts of the body are one body, even though they are many. If the foot says, I am not part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that mean it's not part of the body? If the ear says, I am not part of the body because I'm not an eye, does that mean it's not part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, what would happen to the hearing? If the whole body were an ear, what would happen to the sense of smell? But as it is, the God has placed each one of the parts of the body just like he wanted so the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head, or in turn, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. 
Instead, the parts of the body that people think are the weakest are the most necessary. You are the body of Christ and parts of each other. Another way to say it, parents aren't supposed to go it alone. <laughs> they aren't supposed to. None of us are supposed to go it alone. We are only complete when we are together, when we benefit from each of our distinctiveness. And when we do, when we bring each of our unique gifts together, when we benefit from the others that are around us that can do the things that we can't, it is the very presence of Jesus. Now let that sink in for a second. It, when we come together, it is the very presence of Jesus. Now talk about mind-blowing, but the more I live, the more I see it, the more I experience it, the more I see it. When all of our gifts function together, Jesus is there. So executive parenting, you know, managing the team that's around our children, or it taking a village to raise them and thinking about the influences that they need poured into them at this particular moment. That is the body of Christ. Do I have the whole body here or is this all ears and no noses? What's the nose trying to tell me that I can't see because I'm a mouth? Gosh, can we get some more feet in here? <laughs> Now, this is where I flip this from kids to every person, if you haven't made it into leap in your own mind already. Because it doesn't just take a village to raise a child, it takes a village to raise an adult too. And so I ask all of you, and I ask myself this morning too, because I don't think I've answered it for myself yet, how is your village? Who do you have around you to influence you and to pour into you and to make you complete. Are you a nose that would rather hang out with more noses? <laughs> and what peace do you need? Are you surrounded with the whole body of Christ or are you suffering from an eye shortage? And where are there some eyes that you can hang around? You see, God designed us so that we can't do it alone. I think God did it on purpose because we're always better together. We're always closer to God together. And Jesus is with us when we do. And I'm so glad all of you are here in church because I've never found a better place for all the pieces to be together. Would you pray with me? Oh God, thank you that we cannot do it alone. God, that's a hard prayer to say. Thank you that we cannot do it alone. And thank you that you've given us so many good people around us to help us. Help us to think. Well, no, 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 let me say it differently, God. Please show us what we need in our life. Show us where we are lacking. And help us to see those around us that might fill that hole, that might pour into us, that might surround us as our village. And help us also to see and to claim our place in your body. And thank you for the honor and the blessing that it is to be a part.
We pray it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's Sunday Sermon. For more information on growth groups or how to more fully embrace the life of faith, visit us at www.trinitylincoln.org.